As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of the Android Dungeon, we have a very special guest in studio. The Spiel des Jahres. Games of the Year, Germany. They must know what they're talking about, right? The Germans are never wrong. And a bit of rage. Stay tuned. end of that song. That was my fault, but uh, CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Southern Ontario, Canada, Planet Earth. Is this, uh, what, what galaxy? Milky Way galaxy? Oh, that's what they tell us. <laughs> According to scientists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fake news, probably. Uh, I am Jack. I'm Joel. And I'm Jess. Listen to that. That's an unusual voice in the studio. A female. <laughs> what oh, happened here? Help. Oh, it's so exciting. First time ever. First, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Speaking to a female, not just <laughs> It's nice either way. Um, yeah, so this is the Androids Dungeon, a uh, show about games, music, movies, nerdy stuff, <laughs> with, with kind of whatever our hobbies and interests are at the any given time. Uh, but as usual, we like to start off every episode with a very simple and easy, easily answered question. Jess, what are you playing recently? Well, I got the absolute pleasure of playing four games last night, so that was a lot of fun. Were they good? Nice. Um, some more than others. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us give us the rundown. Uh, I played Splendor, which I've played a lot recently because I borrowed it from Joel, and um, Joel forgot that he changed the rules, and I beat him for the first time in my life at anything. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Have we talked about Splendor on this show yet? Uh, we have not. Yeah, it's surprising. It's okay, so I, I want to, Jess, break it down for us. What is Splendor? How do you play Splendor? Uh, you use coins to buy cards, and buying cards gets you points. And mm. you have to get a certain amount of points, <clears throat> and then you win. Okay, and what's the theme? Like merchants stealing gems from <laughs> other places in the world. <laughs> Maybe they bought them legitimately. Everyone's been rewarded handsomely for their efforts. I have my debts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we were in a hurry last night, and I said, okay, first to two points win. And then me and John just went on playing like a normal game. <laughs> and she just went and picked up the gems, got two points, and that was it. It's a very unusual, like, game ends uh, variant of the two points. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the rules are the win condition is 15 points. Uh, and that's a very well-balanced number that they've decided upon. Two points is it's kind of silly. It's way too little. 
Yeah, it's uh, Splendor is this really neat little. Um, you, the main appeal of the game is you've got these cards, and you have three different tiers of cards. And they, if you break down the theme, it's kind of interesting how they do it because it represents like the different stages of production. So, your easiest cards to acquire are the mines or the places where the, you could theoretically find gems in this magical world of Splendor. And then the next stage up is shipping the gems to someone that can sort of refine them or make them special. And then the final most expensive tier is the person at the shop who marks it up for people who've been tricked by the good people at De Beers and uh, <laughs> everyone else. So, it, and you, you're basically building this engine because you, when you acquire the means of production, uh, ignoring any Marxist undertones to this, you can hold on to it forever and make things easier to acquire in the future as opposed to just gradually grabbing these poker chips. And once you use them, which represent different things, they're gone forever. You have to get them back again. And it's a very cute, quick game. And I don't know if it's, um, I think it plays best at two. And yeah. three maybe before is just utterly random. And if you're, you're lucky, I think, if you can <laughs> get something going. But that's just me. I like playing with three. I played with my sister and my mom quite mm -hmm. a bit. And yeah, that's good. Uh, who out of you would win the most? Me. Because yeah. I figured out, well, like, I figured out a strategy that you, I could use to beat them for the amount of times we played. Well, don't hide it, <laughs> Jess. What's yeah, the strategy? What's the uh, I just like load up on like the cheapest cards, and then once you use that, like it's really easy to bump up to the bigger cards. So. Yeah, we should mention that each of the like. So you have to spend the gems to get the cards, but each card has a gem on it. And that counts towards maybe spending a gem later, except that you don't have to hand that card in. Yeah, it's something that maybe it's difficult to explain on the air, but if you're actually to look at it, it's quite intuitive. And for the, that's the first thing that most people make or get mistaken with the game is like, so they've got, you've purchased these cards and you're like, you're trying to hand in the card after you bought some. No, 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 you hold on to it. That's the fun part. And it's kind of this engine builder where you, you get to see the, the steam picking up and just when things are awesome, you lose the game. And that's yeah. how things usually work. And you'll never forget your first free card because oh, you have enough yeah. cards to not spend anything together. <laughs> Everyone remembers. Yeah, it was great. And then with like the top tier, there isn't even enough coins to buy with just coins. You that's need right, cards. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a great little game. My only criticism of it is, uh, ignoring its randomness, is its price tag. Because for what it is, I think it's a remarkably expensive game. And it only gets pricier. And the components, unfortunately, they've actually sh uh, dialed back on. Because it used to be, there, there's a satisfaction that comes with, like anyone who's ever played cards knows how good it is to play with poker chips. Like that, that clinking, yep. clinking, clinking, oh, it feels good, this, this weight. Perfect uh, analogy. Yeah, and then you get to this, uh, the newest edition, which is still something like, I think it's like 50 bucks. It's somewhere around that price range, which is fairly, I'd say, medium to high in these, this world. But for a game that's just cards and poker chips, the poker chips they've cut back on, and now they're like hollow. You pick them up and you could like... They're not as satisfying. Not nearly as satisfying. So it's almost like you want a house. Like I was fortunate yeah, to try to find when when was this printed. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to find like certain editions and maybe shake the box. An old dusty out. one in the back of a shop. Yeah, and it was out of print for a while too. Oddly yeah. enough, like which is for a game that's as popular as it is, and I think all of us would recommend it to somebody if they're looking for a, a game to kind of introduce to your family or get people into gaming. Everyone that I've ever introduced Splendor to is always just like. Picked it up very quickly and been happy with it. If you can get a 13-year-old to put their, down their phone, like uh, my sister, it's definitely worth it. <laughs> Are you thinking about buying it? Uh, I would if like, I found an edition that has the heavier coins. There is very something satisfying with the heavier coins. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll t tell you my uh, uh, discovery of Splendor was this European guy came into a, into a Wednesday night game night back, mm -hmm. in, uh, back in BC, and he brought it. 
And at that time, it wasn't even heard of around here. You know, our parents plunder before it was cool. Yeah, I know. We just got into gaming <laughs> hipsterism. Not that we've approached <laughs> and it. And then we, we tried to find it for like a year, and it yeah. just was not available. So was it only European? Like, it yeah. was only in Europe at that time? And it was crazy. It took us a year to get Splendor. We wanted it so bad. Mm-hmm. Well, now you start to see a lot of because, like it or not, a lot of the best games kind of start in Europe right now and then gradually make their way over. That's why you'll see when, once you go deep into the hobby, you'll start to see these, uh, for example, when we get into Spiel DR stuff, like games that are nominated, they're not even in English yet. And the Germans don't care, of course, because it's in German, whatever. But they'll make their way to English, and then they become even bigger. But for the most part, it's still a niche hobby that uh, people just want to start in Dutch or German or French, because uh, Splendor, I believe, is French, uh, Marc-Andre, and he's done a couple other things. but. Ignoring that, Splendor, great game. Pick it up if you can. I don't know if I'd advise paying full price for it. Maybe buy a used copy, because then the odds are higher you'll find an older copy as well. But that's it. Yeah, uh, I love it, and I wouldn't pay $50. It on eBay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, that was one. <laughs> that was a one of the four. One of the four. Jess, keep it coming. The other one was, I think, just called Vegas? Oh. Which is oh. just rolling <laughs> dice. I not about that either. <laughs> Vegas. Vegas, baby. <laughs> Vegas, baby. <laughs> Which was like essentially you roll dice and then you put down like groups of the same number on like different like casinos and then whoever has the most dice on that um, spot at the end of the round gets the cash associated with that casino. And I thought I had won this like second time we played and then Joel beat me by two thousand dollars. So oh, that's a real razor edge <laughs> win too. That's nice. just so frustrating. 470 grand. I have not won in Vegas in forever. Um, <laughs> we should just change the title of the show to warm-up games. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I don't know. Would you put Splendor in a warm-up game? Uh, it's borderline. It can be long enough at times. That it's like, uh, yeah. But if it's long, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> at least with Splendor. Like, if, you, like, if it's dragging on, then, like, you lose interest. Well, that's at it. Least you, I do. you hit the point. You hit it when you say, like, if it drags. Because there's a difference between something that's long, like Advanced Civ, for example, and something that drags, like sometimes Twilight Imperium or something else. That's like, you hit this point where you're just, when a game has grabbed you, like a good game of Splendor, you're sitting there and you're engaged the whole time and you're actually, and maybe you're joking and you're talking. It's not just, like, eyes on the board, keeping an eye out. But it's like... As soon as it turns into something where maybe somebody's taking way too long, which is usually me, or it just it's not fun anymore. It's like it's just dragging. It's not fun. So, but Vegas, there's no reason to drag. No, there's no, and it's tough to say. There are options, but you throw dice, one through six. You got to put some of those dice on one of those spots. Do you put it onto the one that nobody else is there and hope nobody tries to take it from you? Do you try to fight somebody who's already loaded up a couple on these spots? Do you split up your dice? It's an incredible little game. And Joel, do you want to explain why you have to think about where you put the dice? Sure. So every time you roll all of your dice, uh, you have eight total dice. Yeah. Uh, you have to put all of whatever number you choose to put on uh, onto the board. Give us an example. Uh, I roll all eight of my dice. I get one, one, two twos, three fives, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, five. If I look at the board, there's a dollar bill there worth seventy thousand dollars, and I think I want that. Yeah. So I throw it on three fives. Not only does that lay down a challenge to everyone else to say, yeah. "Come at me," you know, see if you can get more than three. Three is a solid. Um, but also, um, you know, I've committed three, so almost half of my dice to get that 70,000, so I'd better be getting it. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so. So it's a lock, Joel. You put down three, you're guaranteed money, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Unless uh, uh, John last night 
just as an example, uh, Jess had four uh, down on a certain thing, and John only had one. He had put that down way <laughs> earlier. And he rolled his <laughs> remaining three dice. Come on. And all three of them were that number. It was oh, the number two. Man. So they both tied and got nothing. So that's the key thing here is if you're tied, uh, you're both considered zero dice. Yeah. You both bust out. And that's the cool thing about this game is there's this angle of sniping stuff. So if you see two people engage in this petty war, which is always hilarious to see, and you just, you're chucking your dice, and maybe you've got Joel and Jess fighting over this spot that's worth 80000 bucks, and you just slip one of your dice into there. And then they end up tying each other. They are considered not in play. And you're the one who walked away with it for one dice. It's a great, great, great game. Yeah, quick 90 grand. And it's fun and fast, and everyone has a ball with it. Again, not a single person, I think, who has been introduced to Vegas has walked away thinking, this game stinks. This is Jack, boring. can we talk about your family and their <laughs> view of games and uh, how you managed to sneak Las Vegas in? It's, uh, I'm not quite sure how to explain it but it's just if I'm going to teach my family a game it's it's tough to get everyone sitting down and being happy because it's it's all of a sudden as soon as you do it everyone else has something better to do and uh, when you're when I'm trying to introduce a game to my family I know they like things that have to do with economics and money and possibly um, screwing over the person next to you <laughs> sounds like Vegas <laughs> so Vegas was a, a nice fit and it started off a little rocky but by the end it's my father's laughing at my brother <laughs> and there's there's people yelling at each other and dice are flying and cash is flipping and people are I, people are making way too much money it should, it's not possible how much money you should be walking away with and I'm getting destroyed as usual uh, but Vegas a hit and it's cheap not an expensive game it goes on sale frequently on uh, major retailers or you can buy it should locally be. it's just dice it's just you could make it yourself if yeah. you really wanted to be uh, a thrifty individual. You could just put a piece of paper down with numbers one through six, <laughs> and but it's the money that's going to be a little tricky to sort of simulate. But whatever, do it Monopoly yourself. money. Monopoly money. There you go. Perfect. Jess, Jess, what do you think of Vegas? What would you give it? It was easy. It's easy. Like it's an easy game if you're just hanging out with a bunch of people and like having drinks and like don't need to actually focus that much on the game. Like good conversation game, I'd say. Yeah, that's it. Everyone's having a fun fun time. Yeah. Vegas, it's a hit. Joel, what do you think? Absolutely. Uh, Vegas has been. Uh, I've loved Vegas for years, and, uh, you know, it's not hard to sell people on it. That's what I like about it. You know, if you whip out Vegas, for example, uh, with my nieces and nephews who are still uh, in their their single digits, <laughs> they can still play, and they have a good time. Like Joel was playing his guitar while playing last night. Aww. <laughs> That's cute. Somebody had to whip out their acoustic <laughs> guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, do you like Wonderwall? Here you go. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a great game and it scales nicely too. What does it go up to? Um, five. Well, it's got to be more than five, night. is it? Anyway, it, it feels depends. like you can get a bunch of people. Depends on how many dice you have. Really. Yeah, you so theoretically you could just like and you screw up the economy. It doesn't work. It's not balanced. Yeah. It's a fun game. Great. All right. So Vegas, Splendor. Viticulture. Viticulture. But we now, played the extended version, kind of. Now, we don't talk about that very much. It's called uh, Tuscany, and it's only because we've only played it twice. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we played it with five players. Yep. And what did you think of it, Jess? Well, both when I've played Viticulture, like the not extended version, and then with Tuscany, I have had some drinks. So <laughs> I feel like I'm giving 
a kind of a review in the sense that, like, if you can play it somewhat decently when you're not completely sober, like, it's it's engaging enough that, like, it's interesting, but also not horrendously complicated that, like, you're so lost. Although that, to be fair, I have, I was sitting beside Kayla both times, and she does explain a lot <laughs> of the rules to me multiple times. Engaging, but not overly complex. That's a good, that's an endorsement as far as I'm concerned, so. Shout out to Kayla as a trainer. As yeah. a trainer, yeah. Asking for the fifth time how to make wine. <laughs> you know, but all right, so I'll say this. It, it's, um, the winemaking stuff can be a little, it can be slightly obtuse, but just the the sort of it's not explicitly maybe like everything on the board is fairly simple but when it comes to like turning it into stuff it's like all right so i combine these two, do i put these two numbers down here or do they just turn into do, does each grape turn into its own thing on the crush pad and, no it's fine tuscany is joel what what's the difference between tuscany and base viticulture um well we joke a lot about how in viticulture you don't need to uh, do sort of the game function in order to win. You don't need to make and wine. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to make wine uh, and then fill the orders. Well, uh, Tuscany takes that a little further, <laughs> in which you don't need really to plant don't. grapes to make wine. No. Uh, you can just go trade them in for, I mean, I guess you go in the store and buy them or something, put yeah. them in your crush pads. Maybe you go to a, someone else's vinery because you can't put up the capital, but uh, you can trade cards for money. There's a market, yeah. essentially. Uh, there's also a really cool function, which I didn't use until the very last turn, which I will definitely use next time because I think it's very powerful. And that is you can just turn wine into victory points instead of having to go through the purple deck and finding exactly what you yeah. can fill. Which, you know, considering you can take a crystal and turn it into four victory points, that's just as good as just about any order. So yeah, why, so why bother doing anything else? I, I think if you had to sum up Tuscany, it's that it, it gives you more choices, almost to a fault. And... Yeah. It, it kind of eliminates this sort of railroading that the original viticulture suffered from, which is that there were, there were a couple things you, you needed to do if you wanted to have a chance. Whereas with Tuscany, it's just there's a million things you can do, and some of them might work, some of them might not, and it takes you a little bit more away from the mercy of the, the random draws of the deck. Like, so what, you got some bad order cards you can't fill, and you're none of your wines match. Like you're saying, you just go to the spot and I'll just sell them anyway. Alternatives, for sure. Alternatives, and you can, oh, you've got a bunch of bad visitor cards? As opposed to just discarding them at the end of your turn, you can go to a shop and basically sell two of them for victory points or cash or wine, whatever. Yeah. So it gives you a lot of stuff to do, and there's even gives you special workers. That it, you get two special workers every turn. Yeah, or not every turn, every game. They're always different. Yeah. yeah. And there are structures that we haven't figured out how to use yet. <laughs> I thought the chef was fantastic. No one else bought the chef, and he was incredible. I thought incredible. about it. It's, it's you just get those bonuses, right? Like, yeah, I think if I want. did it again, I would do the chef again. It just I didn't like giving somebody else, especially when John bumped you on that last one. I couldn't believe he did oh, that. Yeah, that gave me the end of the game, really. I was furious when he did that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, just I for left the... to go to the bathroom, and I came back, and Joel had one. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, you were about to win anyway, so yeah. I didn't, one more turn, I think, wouldn't have made a difference. Just to explain, uh, a, sh a chef if you've played viticulture allows you to go on someone else's spot but uh the flip side is that they get their person back and get to play that again big deal you get to put you get to take the bonus spot it's, it's nuts absolutely crazy i found a cheap trick too so i had three residuals and i had a tasting room so i could go give a tour for three dollars and then i had six dollars every turn just turn them into victory points Went to the market, traded six bucks for two victory points every time. Yeah, so there's tons of avenues to, to just getting victory points without, well, 
you did a bunch of orders too. It wasn't like you just avoided making wine. Although, looking at your 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 vineyard, you didn't have much many grapes. You had a couple of them in there, and that was all you needed. You didn't one, need anymore. I had a one, one, and a two, and yeah. I just I did it turn one, so they just kept letting them mature. I'll say this though: path. starting with the Pinot, which is the red and white grape. Like getting that in your hand, like right away, or getting a start, that's incredible. Abs- it's so strong having two of the single grapes contained in one card, especially when it's like you just grab it once and it's just aging the rest of the game and going into stuff. So, anyway. My mama started with two greens, so I never drew a grape card. Jess, what, how did you do? I think you did quite well, actually. You, you did very well. Place. Second. You're very good. And this second. was only maybe your second game of viticulture? It was my second game. It's really good. I was, w- I was worried about you, to be honest. <laughs> If I had had one more turn, I would have won. Yeah, <laughs> if I had go. had one more turn. Yeah, well. I was like, oh, I'll, like, get up, go to the bathroom, come back, we'll play the next round. Nope. <laughs> can thank John for that. Thank you, John. There's a certain point where you have to say, okay, I'm a 10. I know what I can get. Is there any way I can push that to get across the line just so that there isn't another round? Because you know the next round everybody's ready to fill a whole ton of orders. I could have had 11 points the next turn. But yeah, it's just exactly right. Just I, super frustrating. There's a point where everyone explodes yeah. and you <laughs> try to sneak in the round before. It's, yeah, and then again, I felt like more, fr- again, frustrated by visitor cars in which just, and because you get, I, I don't know, I think, say you get less in Tuscany because you're at the mercy of one more ex- like a difference between the base game and the set. In the base game, the turnover track is just much more simplified. In Tuscany, when you go there, each season, you don't get the bonus till you move into it and you don't get visitor cards automatically unless you're on the spot. So the cottage is inferior, I'd say, in Tuscany because you're no longer guaranteed to get two cards just off the bat for taking it. So it's a little weaker, I think. But uh, I don't know. You're you're still... Uh, Kayla got this great visitor that was just... What was it? Uh, uh, either pay me $2 give me, at or the beginning I of the get game. a victory point. At the beginning of the game when money is so tight, too. Yeah. And then Joel got another incredible one at the end of the game, which was for everyone who has six workers, which by the end of the game, most people have six workers. He gets one or two victory points each. One per person. But in a five-player game, that's a lot. In a two-player game, that's a card game. Big deal, yeah. Jess, you had some good cards too, didn't you? I did, but due to the fact that I was slightly tipsy, I (laughs) kept not using them correctly (laughs) or forgetting them. But I made lots of plans, and then, like, by the time you got to the next season, I had forgotten my plan. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of how that went for me. But you're you're a veteran now. You know what you're doing. I I like that there was four seasons, mainly because... That's uh, that's how the seasons work. <laughs> so in viticulture, you don't get all four seasons. So you did, but it was just very subtle because it was like, oh, just two of the seasons were just taking visitor cards. That was it. There's nothing to it. Well, spring is putting your chicken down, yeah, old chicken, and it's a uh, rooster. Yeah, and fall is uh, drawing your cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you had to give Tuscany an arbitrary rating, what would you give it? Because <laughs> I have so much like experience to be able to give something a rating. Even better. Um, I would give it an 8 out of 10 roosters. Well, very right. good. Let's do the rest of them too, Vegas. Uh, if you're just like looking for like a party game, like sure, 7 out of 10. Okay. What was the other one? Oh, Splendor. Splendor. I really like Splendor. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Eight out of ten gold coins. These are pretty good. L- lots of Bs and A minuses on these yep. uh, reviews. Yeah. Yeah. They passed. How do you feel about Tuscany, Joel? If you you can give it something if you want, but do you think it is? Do you think it is essential to the game? Even though the base game is called the Essential Edition, which is kind of false advertising. 
while there are certain remakes and expansions which I feel in other games uh, fixed all the bugs, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Tuscany does that. I think it enriches the game for mm-hmm. sure. I like the w- what she said about the four seasons. It really takes more thinking because you have to make the decision to leave that round mm-hmm. three times instead of just one. Yeah. Um, with that said, um, I could take it or leave it, but I, I do like it. I think it adds to it. It, do, it makes it a longer game, so it's really a decision oh, of do, do I want to commit two, two to three hours or do I want to play a quick viticulture, which is maybe 45 minutes. Yeah, and for me, I think the time length, and that's partially because like we were all basically newbies for all intents and purposes with Tuscany, and the... And I have a problem with uh, analysis paralysis for sure. But when you add even more options to a game, it makes it worse. <laughs> and it's just, especially because it just feels way tighter in that your your plans are, especially with money, it, it was very difficult for me to make some choices because you need the seller, but you need the money, but you spent the money on this. You don't have the money because you bought on a worker instead. And it's good. I don't know if... In th- I don't know if I could endorse it for everyone unless you've really played the hell out of the original Viticulture and you really want yeah. to get more from the experience. But Did you guys get that anxiety when you were leaving a season? It's like, oh, am I missing something here? Oh, I missed something all the time. Not as bad. I'd like to point out that the first time I played Viticulture, it did take us two hours. Uh, so I yeah. think the moment you got wine to Viticulture, in reality... <laughs> well, that's essential, though. <laughs> <laughs> the game time takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have not had an experience with Viticulture well, uh, that's short. People lose attention, for sure. Yeah. So it, it, the time length, I guess, can be, definitely be a turnoff. But maybe it's just, again, experience. If you were to... If you knew what you are doing, it's just... I'm playing two-player Viticulture. I think I did with Kayla few weeks ago and we just we nailed two games in like an hour and a half and it just goes quick 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 but again two players less decisions so much um and it's not inexpensive either or it's not overly expensive i meant the uh uh, tuscany it's not dirt cheap but putting the two together big deal whatever so much so much board and component it's worth the worth the price. Yeah, like all Stonemaier stuff, like Mr. Scythe and uh, uh, the upcoming Charterstone, which I'm excited for, which is a legacy city building or village building game, which, uh, oh, man, just take my money. Just take it. <laughs> all right, so uh, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick musical break, and we'll be back uh, to discuss some other really interesting stuff, so stay tuned.
side by accident as you go down to your goal. This cripple here that you clothe and feed is neither starved or cold. He does not ask for your company, not at the center, the center of Welcome back, CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon. What we just heard was uh, Avalanche by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, a cover of Leonard Cohen's 
uh, track. If you look at the lyrics, incredible, incredible song. Very sad, very aggressive and mean. Some great, great imagery in that. Uh, reason I played it for two reasons. A, it's Canadian content apparently. Uh, if I think according to the rules, if you play something that's a cover of a Canadian song, it qualifies as Canadian, huh. which is interesting. And B, uh, Nick Cave is coming to Toronto this week, so I'm seeing him on Wednesday, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so it'll be a good show at Massey Hall. Hopefully nothing crazy happens that prevents me from going. So back to our talk about games. We did make a mistake earlier. Uh, apparently Jack can't count. We did one, two, three, but we forgot number four. Jess, what was the fourth game? You just were really excited about Viticulture. And yeah. the fourth game I got to play was pa Patchwork, and I really, really liked it. It was very cute. Describe Patchwork. You, it's kind of like Tetris, where you're building a quilt. Uh, you use buttons to buy quilt pieces on a board, and then you put them on a square, and they're all randomly sized, so Tetris. Board game Tetris is the best way to sum up Patchwork with an adorable theme that <laughs> uh, almost everyone can get to. Um, Patchwork is, I think, probably right now, if somebody said, give me a two-player game, I want to buy something, Patchwork, easy choice. Yep. It's so simple and inexpensive, too. I don't think it's that expensive for uh, that type of game. Uwe Rosenberg, who we've talked about in the show for doing probably some of the best board games out there, but we were talking about uh, Feast for Odin last week, and Patchwork sort of started, or Patchwork is an offshoot of Feast for Odin because when he was designing the game, this whole idea of like building your Viking boards with pieces that are oddly shaped um, he decided, you know, this is kind of a cool game just on its own. So that was a two-player spin-off of something that went into the full game of uh, Feast for Odin. So if you like Patrick, maybe you'll like Feast for Odin. <laughs> it's possible. It was great for him. I mean, it's, oh, I'll just throw this out here. It just blew up. Patchwork is massive. Absolutely. And then you have the multiplayer Patrick, which is Cottage Garden. Some people prefer it more. Some people prefer it less. I think it's it's a fun, fast game. It's, I don't think you're quite as emotionally invested as you are in Patchwork, but it is neat. And you have little sleepy kitties and pots that you oh. use as placeholders. So very good. So would you recommend Patchwork? I would. I think it's a good game like for really any age group. Like little kids I even think could play it. So I think like any game that like is engaging for an adult but could also easy enough for a kid is a sign of a good game to me. Yeah, you could almost just dispense with the whole like income issue and just do time and have a kid like pick the piece based on like you gotta throw down some rules, but uh, don't worry about the money amount and but you do have a time limit to try to fill up the board. I think that would be that could be a hit for kids. Yep. So, uh, patchwork highly endorsed. Highly How would recommend. You give it three out of four buttons. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cute, <laughs> just like patchwork. Uh, Joel, we didn't get a chance to uh, ask you what you had been playing recently, and I know we've had some some hard conversations about a certain subject recently. Uh, but one of our favorite games on this, uh, it seems to be one of our favorite games. It gets invoked a lot on the show. Istanbul. You played it recently. Was it two player? It was three. It was me, uh, Josh, and Sam. Okay. So can you please explain to us what caused you to want to talk about Istanbul? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've talked about doing a bit of a rage episode lately mm -hmm. because we do have a lot of games we don't like. I know we talk up a lot of games. I know I, you maybe gave a poor review of Spartacus. Actually, it's on the shelf I saw at, uh, at uh, one of our game cafes lately. Hmm. Um, so I got to look at the arena. Uh, but yes, Istanbul. Oh boy, um, you know what? It's a great game, and I I really don't want to complain about it and turn people off. But uh, there's this one aspect to it, which is there is some dual dice rolling, 
and it can really make and break your game. Uh, Istanbul, when you know what you're doing and everybody knows what they're doing, gets really tight. It's always down to each person is taking turns and they know what they need to do and they probably near the end of the game know their last five moves and they're just waiting to do them. Mm -hmm. And so everybody just goes around and does their thing. The only things that can get in your way are other people. Sometimes you have to pay them to go to their spot, uh, but it's not a big deal. But the tiebreaker is whoever has the most money. So if everybody's finishing at the same time, that does get more significant. But anyway, the key is um, once you've got sort of your normal input of uh, getting gems, like uh, going to the gemstone dealer, filling up your Wayne or anything like that, uh, you need to get that fifth one. You figure it out. I figured out uh, everybody else had two gems. I figured out that all I needed was a treasure, right? So only one place in the game where you can guaranteed get treasure is the black market. But in order to do so, you need to roll a minimum seven. Which is statistically very likely. <laughs> you can see where I'm going here. Uh, so what did I do? I, I, I went to the police station, sent my cousin there, which as you know, uh, if you go to the police station, you can send your cousin anywhere on the map. Uh, but if anybody gets there, they can take money. Um, or bonus card. Uh, so I sent my cousin there. He failed. I rolled two ones. Uh, so I go to the post office. I walk over. Two turns later, I go there myself. Uh, I should mention that the two bonus people were also on the square at the time, but your cousin doesn't encounter them. I could have gone there myself, just went directly to the post office. It was my own mistake. Uh, but, you know, I go there myself, roll again, a one and a two. Still no treasure. Um, so so now it's been four turns. Uh, people are starting to catch up. Three gems, four gems. I'm looking around. <laughs> oh, starting to sweat. Things are, <laughs> all I needed was one gem, right? <laughs> uh, if you don't know Istanbul, the win condition is five gems. And there was nothing at the post office. The, the treasure hadn't shown up yet. Uh, no, it, it was gone, actually. I picked up the, the treasure from oh, the post okay, office. I see, I see. So it was back at reset. Um, so what do I do, right? I leave and I come back because it takes two turns to get back to a spot. You're not allowed to stay there. It's, it's honestly hurting me to hear you describe <laughs> the... <laughs> so I leave, I go back to the post office, pick a bunch of, pick up a bunch of stuff I don't need, uh, go back. Finally, I roll exactly seven. Uh, I'm there. I'm good. Um, so what happens? Uh, my friend Josh goes to another spot, uh, triggers the end of the game. So he's got five gems, he's got all I need. I go get the five gems all I need. But because it took me so long, he had two more dollars than me, which I gave to him <laughs> because I had to follow him to the black market. So incredibly frustrating game. But a nail biter nonetheless, like you lost by $2. Like how often does it come down to the cash like that? Too? Yeah. But Istanbul, very tight game. Again, no room for mistakes. When you're playing with people who know what they're doing, it's just there's Everyone's moves are planned out, and it will. I think it will come down to money more often now. I think about it with yeah. that because there's a couple of times. I think the last time I played, um, I ended up coughing up a lot of cash to people just because you just you have a plan and you're going to end up paying them. Just but I'm not moving. I'm going to give you some cash, but it's all right. I want those spots more than you need this two dollars. I think. That's so. right. Um, and Jess, you're disappointed you didn't get the chance to try Istanbul? No, I had the rules explained to me uh, at one point, and then I had to go. So, quick sad. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> there are lots of other opportunities. And again, I think we've said it before, but Istanbul, pick it up. Very good game. 
Absolutely. We've talked about it before. I just want to add, to add fuel to the fire, um, I have a ten, assemble on my 10 by 10 mm-hmm. and I've got six games down now. Zero wins. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It, 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 it's a rough one, but how many of the other ones is your name on, Joel? Oh, I'm doing all right. <laughs> 10 by 10. Jess, what's on your own 10 by 10 right now? Uh... Joel made me make one last night. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> nope, he made me make one. <laughs> and I did, like I had a hard time naming ten games that I think I'd have the opportunity to play over the next year. So um, maybe just pick one or two that you want to play more and uh, call it a day. The ten by two. The ten by two. Ten by two. <laughs> All right. On that note, speaking of games, everyone should play or wants to play. Um, the Spiel des Jahres, the German or the uh, European. Uh, I'll, I'll say German. Uh, board game awards, and these are this is it's up there with Board Game Geek and uh, I guess the the Dice Tower for looking. If you look at a board game box, and you'll see a claims or awards on there, you'll often see the Schwieliars, which is this. I guess it's like a pond with uh, golden laurels around it. You'll notice it's red pond, yellow uh, laurels. Um, for 2017, are out. Very prestigious, very important in the community. Um, we previously described the Board Game Geek Awards as the People's Choice Awards. Uh, this is, uh, to be honest, I don't know how they're voted for. I, 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 for some reason, I just trust them. <laughs> think it's the developers? Or? Is it developers? I, I don't know. Maybe there's a committee or maybe it's like the Academy of, uh, uh, of the board gaming world. Hopefully they don't make a mistake and <laughs> accidentally give it to the wrong game this year. <laughs> bit, of, bit of humor. <clears throat> uh, the problem is that I don't know any of these games because one of them hasn't come uh, to North America yet. The other I've never even heard of, Magic Maze. Have you heard of Magic Maze? Nope. I did look it up when it was nominated, though. Yeah. But the one we do want to talk about, because uh, it, because Joel's actually played it, and I love the designer, uh, is King Domino. So, Joel, take it away. Yeah, so I was in, uh, uh, in Saskatoon when uh, International Board Game Day came around. Um, and I just w- rolled up to a spot and there were some excellent, very friendly people who welcomed me right away. Um, and we played s- quite a few games, but King Domino was one of them. It was fantastic. Uh, how do I describe it? Um, well, Domino is a key, obviously, if you, it's right there in the thing and you're building a kingdom. So Kingdom Domino, King Domino. <laughs> Hold on, slow down. Clever name. King Dom Dom. Oh my God. It checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so every, um, <laughs> there are just, um, you start with a little um, castle, just one square. Uh, your maximum size is five by five. Hmm. Okay. You, you're allowed to build out beyond that, but it won't count towards your points. Mm-hmm. Very simple point structure. It's basically, uh, there will be little um, symbols on certain tiles. Uh, and each tile is a different land type. So there's um, desert, forest, water, something else. <laughs> the <laughs> Plus, the pretty basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Think about the Terra Mystica or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and basically, you get points for symbol times land space. So let's say, for example, I have uh, six forest tiles and those forest tiles have three symbols total on them and it's a multiplier how many do you think how many points is that worth a million jess sorry six (laughs) times three 
Six times three. Hold on, let me pull up the calculator application. <laughs> 18 points, yeah. So if I end up with one area of six forest tiles and there's three symbols on them, that's 18 points. Um, basically, what I've discovered is that people try to get the biggest area they can of one thing, mm -hmm. and then everything else is kind of, well, I got uh, two symbols here with a three, so whatever. Just kind of happenstance yeah, or random stuff. Some bonuses here and there. So I managed to get a big forest area. So the way it works is it's really excellent balancing, and I think that's probably why it's nominated. Is uh, It's a crazy simple game. Probably takes 10, 15 minutes. We played it with five players. It probably took 20 minutes. Wow. Um, is there's numbers on the backs of the tiles. And the higher the number, the better the tile is. Okay. They're not randomizing anything like that. They've got it figured out. Uh, basically, more symbols uh, and more common land is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so what they do is they go lowest number to highest number. They do it in a row of four. And then they do another row of four over here. So two rows of four. And you choose, you take your little guy, and you choose which one on that row you get. Remember, the ones at the bottom are the best. But when you're done, the person who picked or got forced to go to the top gets to pick the next row first. Okay. So you have to find this balance. Do you want to be in the twos or threes and not be the last choice every time? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to be number ones so you know you know maybe you don't care about what's in the lineup so you pick number one it's the worst one but you get right. first dibs next time on that juicy four so it's very cool the way they've designed that and essentially as aside from that you just take your top and you put it down it's kind of good i like this those sorts of um maybe not exactly a one for one but it's similar to me like takaido or glenmore where it's this you can go fur further down the road, and in, in Takedo and Glenmore, it's like your opponents get to take more actions until they catch up with you. But I like the idea of this. You can take a better one, but you're going to go lower, or it's going to take you. You don't get those selections next time, yeah. possibly. You could theoretically, but that's right. And that balance is the swing. Somebody's not just getting the best one every time. It's it's beautiful. Although I guess Viticulture almost in a sense does that, because you can go lower if you want for a better thing, but uh, you're going to go slower. Like people are going to take their actions ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, so King Domino, though, Bruno Catala, uh, in case you've been listening to the show, one of my favorite designers and been in the business for a while. Five Tribes, Cyclades, Mr. Jack. Those are just the ones off the top of my head. Just the man's done a lot of stuff. Him and the, he's Did done a lot you know of partnerships. Uh, Antoine Bauza used him for Seven Wonders Duel. Used him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Seven Wonders Duel. Again, going back to two player games, if you. It's it's gamier than patchwork. I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone, but I will never play Seven Wonders ever again. It's duels I just think totally replaced in my eye. Yeah, it's funny that Antoine made Seven Wonders, which is a legendary, popular, classic game. Mm -hmm. And then he said, oh, I need somebody's help for Seven yeah. Wonders Duel. Who should I get? Yeah, so Cathala. And what's funny is Kanizia, who's also nominated for another game up there, he's famous for kind of going in and doing these two-player variants on some of these games as well. So it goes to show, like, when you when you get certain of these industry, I'm sure they all know each other too, but it's like, Bruno, help me make a two-player game for this <laughs> uh, excellent game. Sure, why not? And it's great, but... King Domino it sounds incredible, and I'd love to give it a shot. But is it how heavy do you think it is? I love to see a crazy simple cheap game yeah. get nominated for Game of the Year yeah. because you think about Scythe winning Game of the Year. Well, there was tons in it, so you know, heavy gamers yeah, are gonna yeah. love it. Uh, this game is accessible. Jess, you'd love it. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
don't know how I should take that. <laughs> I think I would take it in a way that just anyone would like it, in that it's not like you're 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 shoving some really anal retentive euro about moving. Uh, industrial revolution <laughs> in turn of the century. <laughs> to put things in perspective, the last guest we had it on was Xander, and I forced him into a <laughs> into a ten hour game and a thirteen hour game. Yeah, it just wild. And some, you know what? Maybe you'd like that. Maybe it's not for everyone though. But it's accessibility is so. The more games I play, the more a simple hook with lots of replayability and colorful, accessible theme just becomes important to me. And as much as I love so many games, it, it you get to the point where it's just. I think we were talking about this last time, where if you're trying to introduce a game to somebody and you start off with something that's insanely heavy, that you can see the life draining from their eyes, like uh, the end of Last Crusade when he drinks from the wrong cup, <laughs> he turns into a skeleton right there and says, just play the game with me. But something simple like King Domino, for the sound of it, just is, it sounds like a hit. And what does it scale up to? How many players? Uh, we played it with five. I think it's uh, five is the limit. Five? What a nice number. Six, yeah. even better. But just something... Is a multiplayer solitaire, though, beyond the... Um, uh, uh, yes. The selections. Absolutely, it's you're you're doing your own thing. You've got your own board. You don't affect each other except for maybe you steal what they want. And I'm surprised. And this is for for dedicated listeners. Maybe you've picked this up. Joel's not a fond uh, not fond of tiling games. Don't worry though. This one doesn't violate that because it's a domino lane game that's just colorful and different Simple style. Enough, yeah. And I, you know, I don't mind Gaia because all the tiles are the same. Uh -huh. It's kind of the same thing. You, you've got a color. You've got to figure out. So you've got two elements. Whereas in something like Isle of Sky, yeah. you've got to figure out where can the mountains go, waters go, land go. Isle of Sky is surprisingly go, difficult. It drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll save it for the next episode. Yeah, own too. <laughs> I just love seeing them all come together. And speaking of, Kayla and I played um, last weekend. We whipped out Mad King Ludwig again. And I don't know if you played that with us or not, but it's got to be one of our coziest games ever. And it doesn't help, or it does help that it was the uh, probably one of our first kind of uh, maybe bigger board games that we ever picked up together. And we played at the cottage, and it's just Mondo Coz, just like nice fire crackling in the background, and it just feels nice. But it's all about. It's multiplayer solitaire, kind of like King Domino, except you're you're building your own crazy castle, and you're trying to put these. You're just linking these uh, rooms up together, and sometimes they turn in these wacky things where you have dungeons uh, underneath uh, your stuff. Doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's bizarre. In fact, we played it once with our friend. It was diabetes, and every card he got was uh, something related to food and cheese and dessert. <laughs> just talking about the castle trying to kill him, but it's it's an adorable game. But it kind of I don't want to draw too broad a comparison, but I, I just love the idea of seeing something get built before your eyes. And that's something you don't get in Euros necessarily with, um, let's go back to Viticulture, where you don't, you're not really seeing any progress per se. And at least Scythe, you get to see like cubes move yeah. <laughs> and, and a bunch of stuff. But it, I think it's really cool. Now, Jess. Yes. If you had to pick a genre of game or a, a, like a, a, a type of game like what appeals to you because I hope I'm not overside my bounds when I say you're a neophyte but what what if you had to pick a game what sort of mechanics really interest you I like work placement games yeah like I like making plans not that you know I always stick to them because god knows I have the attention span of a like mouse sometimes but <laughs> I like when like games you can build plans and like there's like Logic and progress. So Man, maybe Istanbul would have been. <laughs> I've got some games for you. Yeah. <laughs> or Greco. Oh my God! Just, well, I think you'd like it. 
Probably. Do you like farming? Do you like the idea of farming without actually having to do all the work? <laughs> we should <laughs> clarify for John's benefit. Yeah. yeah, I like farming. <laughs> do you like yeah. cute animals? And do you like potentially eating them? <laughs> yeah. Oh. These oh, are really odd <laughs> string of questions. <laughs> uh, it is interesting that you bring up that making of plans because that's just pure Euro, absolutely through and through. And that's not to say you don't make plans in other games. And who knows, maybe Cyclades would be something you're really interested in because you're making plans the whole time and just hoping to God they work. Until dice rolls. <laughs> <Until laughs> dice rolls. So dice are the enemies of uh, the Android's dungeon right now. Uh, but King Domino, and it's reasonably priced too. I think when I was looking up the prices on it, at least on some of these websites, like 25 bucks, 30 bucks. So going back, accessible price-wise too, not just like walking to a store and you see, like, like it or not, board games are expensive. And... Um, you're seeing MSRPs of $100 of some of these popular games, and it's it's kind of tough to swallow, especially if you haven't had a chance to try it, because it's not like it's not like going to a movie where you go on cheap night and you <laughs> it's like, well, that stunk, but at, at least, least you're not six bucks, yeah. six bucks out, and you got you walk away with something. Whereas like uh, like a video game, you can usually like you can download it beforehand. Like Steam has refunds if it's bad for two hours, but a board game, unless you go to a cafe and you get a chance to try out like the new hotness that's sitting there, or maybe a retro classic, there's really, you're at the mercy of your buddy's recommendation or the internet, and I don't know who to trust least out of the bunch, but. <laughs> uh, Thinking about like, my sister's age group, she's 13, like, yeah. kids that age, like a $100 board game or like a $90 video game, which one are they gonna take? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's true, but you know what? And there are some good, you know, there's, if you had to compare some board games to some video games, I'd say, well, the video game's better, for sure. But is it $90 worth of better? And is that game going to hold up? Like, are you really going to play Skyrim uh, 10 years from now versus some of these board games that are out there? I hate Skyrim, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but it is an example of, it is, at the end of the day, it's a consumer choice. Of if you have $100 to spend on something, do you spend it on some cardboard? Do you spend it on some plastic CDs from Ireland that contain uh, images of some sort and experiences? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, if you, Joel, what, where would you fall on this? Do you think it's? Uh, do you think that things are getting tougher for consumers to justify slapping down a lot of money on something that they don't really? Because with board games, especially, like I was saying, you can't really try out a lot of these. So you're mercy of reviewers. Well, uh, you know, we're in a renaissance for games, for sure. I mean, the fact that we can even have a show and talk about them is an example of that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I love the fact that uh, game cafes are boost bumping up, and I think this whole try-out-and-play thing is perfect. I don't think I'd ever buy a game without playing it first anymore, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that it takes away the risk, and then are you willing to pay for it? Uh, lots of options for discounts. You can support local, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's great. For, I think consumers are at an advantage thanks to the internet and thanks to uh, venues like that. That's a good point. What about you, Jess? What, do you, what are your thoughts on the limited income? Because you already mentioned that, you, let's say, a child spending $90 on a video game. But uh, personally, how, where would you fall on this? As a very broke student, it makes me sad that I can't afford more board games. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention they're paying as the move. <laughs> um, I think I think like it's the quality of the game. Like when you talk about games that have like it's not the same thing every time. Like there's multiple like changes and options and like random assortment of like journey. I guess I think that like it's reasonable because like it's multiple different things. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think it kind of 
like same with Joel like I wouldn't buy a game I hadn't tried before yeah it's tough like and I say this as somebody who's like I played I, <laughs> I bought plenty of games out playing them first because I I live and die by uh, reviews and I will read them and it's like same thing as movies and stuff like some things I'll just embrace regardless because it's like let's like Alien Covenant for example I don't care what the reviews are I want experiences for myself but uh, some things it's just if people if I get to hear enough positive buzz from the right people about something I will slap down dollary dues on it because I trust them and for the most part I'm not usually wrong or they haven't usually led me astray but yeah and I think movies are a good example when you're young you probably follow actors when you get older you start to follow directors yeah that's a good point uh, you even consider producers in the end but uh, game designers game designers are you a follower of game designers I definitely am absolutely Martin Walls Bruno Cathala again Rainer Knizia uh, Lodovic uh, Malblanc who works with Cathala just like, you're starting to hear these names showing up Stefan Feld again these yeah. these <laughs> Characters. You really pigeonholes us as, as the nerds that we are. I guess that we we go as far as looking up who made the game, right? But, but it's a big deal. It's like you, the director, and I'd yeah. say it's even more so for the game because the designer is God when it comes to the game. The director, obviously, they they are they're uh, sort of a, a demigod in a movie, but the second design could be incredible and the movie stinks. The actors could be incredible, but the direction's awful, or the editing could be great and the sound's awful. I don't know. There's a lot of different factors, whereas with a game, it ultimately lives and dies by the mechanics and how fun it is and if it's if it's actually worthwhile, and that's where the designer really comes through. And um, It's just interesting, I think, to see that it really is. It's all on your shoulders. The game blows. Yeah. And designers can be very thematic, too. Yeah. Making the same game, but in different iterations and variations. Just like Rosenberg, we were talking last time about how it's like you start to see this evolution, in my opinion, of, yeah. from Agricola up to Feast for Odin. Feast similar <laughs> mechanics, but it's just you get, you're seeing this, this move towards stuff. But uh, on that note. Oh, it's ending. The, that lovely little drum rift <laughs> indicates that we are at the end, again, of an Android Dungeon episode. So I'd personally like to extend a thanks to Jess for sitting in listening to a couple of nerds ramble <laughs> semi-incoherently. I smiled me. a lot. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, not the same I didn't. Uh, so thank you for coming. Glad you could be here. Yeah, it was fun. And Joel is going to be disappearing to Europe for a little bit. So I'm going to go investigate the Euro scene. He's going to bring him back in person. Uh, so on that note, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. And I'm Jess. Thank you for listening. Have a nice week.